and it's not always easy, but if we stay the course, then we can push through all of the things you're seeing in the news right now, things that you might not agree with. And the way to do that is economic power. Don't be distracted by the politics. Get your power. Welcome to the Charting Her Course podcast, brought to you by the Pacific Coast Business Times. This podcast will give an inside look at women who own and run small businesses on California's Central Coast. I'm your host, Veronica Kuzma, and I'm so excited to put a spotlight on these fascinating businesses in San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara, and Ventura counties. This podcast would not be possible without our sponsor, Bank of America. More from them a little later. Leveda English is the founder and CEO of Bright Places, a business consulting firm dedicated to embedding trust, inclusion, and belonging within corporate leadership and development. Leveda began her career in corporate talent consulting and took the leap into entrepreneurship in 2018, a role she always knew she would end up in. Now, Leveda is the president-elect of Nabo Ventura County, and her company, Bright Places, is reshaping how businesses think and act. Listen to Leveda talk about her journey, inclusion, and the importance of women claiming their economic power. Please enjoy this talk with Leveda English. Thank you for taking the time to talk today. I met you briefly at an event, and I knew then in our short time that you would be an amazing guest. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do this today. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Veronica. I'm excited to be here. Me too. Let's start. So first, let's start out with you telling us about Bright Places and what your role is. Awesome. So I am the CEO and founder of Bright Places Incorporated. We are a learning and development and strategic firm that helps leaders align with their stated values, basically. Um, so we believe that um, if you're in align with your values, which um, starts with equity and inclusion, then you can live out all of the other values that you state and that that sometimes takes a journey. What did you want to be when you were growing up? I thought I was going to be an attorney. I thought I was going to be, I'd love to um, state my case, state my arguments. I was always passionate about, um, you know, taking a stand. Um, and so that's what I thought I would do. And then when it came to the time when I had to study for the LSAT, um, I thought, well, this is all like, you know, probability. And if that, if so, and th that, and I said, well, I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, I'm passionate about, I guess, just getting straight to the point and not, you know, jumping around. So I, you know, I, I didn't go that route uh, once it came time for me to, uh, to really dig into the, the nuances of the, of the role. So to pair with that, what's been your career path leading up to now? So I was always passionate about helping people develop. That was one of the things that I was always passionate about. So uh, my career path was I went, I actually went back to undergrad when I was already married and had two children. Yeah. So I was a uh, uh, late bloomer. I always say I was like 10 years behind trying to figure out like exactly what I wanted to do. Right. So I had these two beautiful daughters and I said, you know what, I'm going to go back to school. Um, stop playing. <laughs> 
go back to school. Like I have a lot of women in my, well, most of the women in my family are college graduates and they have careers and so forth. So it was just a little bit of time for me figuring it out, right? I had a high standard. I had to meet lots of pressure from the women in my family. So I went back to school and I decided that I would focus on uh, human resources, but I wanted to be in the development area. I wasn't quite sure. I was like, I don't know if I want to be a recruiter. I don't know if I want to be, you know, um, uh, uh, educator in the field, but I want to help people to reach their dreams somehow. And I had been, I guess, conditioned, if you will, to believe I, I needed to do that through corporate. So for me, that was, okay, well, how do you do that inside of a corporate environment? You know, how do you uh, bring in talent and develop them? And so I started out, um, out of undergrad at Johnson & Johnson, working in the um, the college university recruiting department, right? The university recruiting department, I should say. Um, so my focus was on recruiting diversity um, candidates, right? And so I started out actually working in a field where I had the opportunity to help diversity candidates coming to a large organization, um, understand the nuances of working in a large organization and actually train the management and talent to understand how, how to recruit diverse talent into the organization, okay? And that was sort of the launch of my career into, into inclusion, into you know, focusing on diversity and focusing on um, bringing talent into organizations and then developing talent and developing leaders. So what was the inspiration for starting your own business? Okay, so that is very interesting, right? So after coming out of undergrad and going into J&J, where I also, also, also got my MBA through J&J, had a lot of learning experiences through J&J. One of the things that I noticed, Veronica, is that I wasn't quite sure that the people that I was recruiting into the organization, that they were psychologically safe. It felt like the organization wasn't set up to appreciate and value the contributions of women. Um, the organizations, and not just J&J in particular, but any corporate, corporate environment, it seemed like it wasn't necessarily designed for the success of women and people of color. And so it always kind of sat with me kind of wrong. The values that the organization stated weren't necessarily being lived out by the management, by the leaders, by the teams inside of the organization at all times. And there were, you would get some really good leaders and really good mentors. And then you would get some um, toxic leaders and mentors and it would cause a level of trauma. I think for people um, that I was recruiting into these organizations. And again, I worked for large corporations after J&J. I worked for corporations like Cigna Healthcare. I worked for a large university. I worked for county. So I'm not just pinpointing one organization or all people inside the organization, but there was this culture that sort of didn't support the development or the success of everyone equally. And so um, after a, um, a long period of time inside of corporations, large universities, I decided that I'd like to take everything I learned and everything that I've been able to experience, even some traumas and help people to be better leaders, right? Because it felt like a lot of the behaviors that people um, state that they wanna change or um, uh, values they want to ad adhere to, uplift, and impact as they go into leadership were set aside once they got into those roles. So how do I help them to live those things out throughout their leadership career? 
Um, that was, that's what sat with me. And that's where the passion um, comes from. And then once I understood that 80% of leaders go into leadership without having people leadership training, that blew my mind. But then again, it was, it was like, well, that checks, you know? <laughs> um, so the only thing we're doing is repeating what we see other people do. And that's where I was always passionate about, hey, how can I help people to see it and then give them the tools to make some changes in those areas? Mm-hmm. Was starting your own business something you'd always thought you'd do one day? Absolutely. Absolutely. When I was um, married to my first husband, um, I don't have a second husband yet. That's funny, but I'm working on it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm working on it. I got a sweet, a sweet guy in my life. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, so um, we had our own business. And the plan was we had our own construction business, our own, um, you know, um, he was also a, um, a contract, he was a contractor constructor. We had our, we were building houses, things like that. And so the plan was that I would go into corporate America, right. And eventually, you know, get some skills, um, do what I had to do to help support the family. But I always felt like I would eventually, you know, come out and start something on my own because that passion was always there. And so it always felt like in order for me to make the most impact, and to have economic power, I needed to own my own business. So that always sat with me. And I think that's part of the reason why I used to see a bigger picture inside of corporate. Like I was there, but I was seeing the structure and the makeup of the business and questioning some of the processes um, around the structure of the business, rather than sort of being um, sort of assimilating to the behaviors and the things that I saw going on around me. So when you were first starting out, what did you know the most about? And then what did you know the least about? And how has that evolved? I think what I always knew the most about are my personal values, like who, what I believe, um, who I am. Um, what I knew the least about was the inequities that women and people of color face. Um, and so... I was bought into, you know, a meritocracy. I was bought into, you get a college education, you, you, you know, you can achieve, um, you'll receive respect and you can reach your achievements without any barriers, right? And so those are the things that I started to discover um, were not necessarily, um, you know, the experience of everyone inside of a, a certain structure, right? Um, I did not know about um, a lot of inequities that women face, for example, um, not being able to open your own business without getting business credit from your husband in the 1980s. I didn't know those things existed. Um, I discovered some of my um, naivete, if you will, and, and belief in people. Also my um, strength supporting the equality of women and people of color. What's the first step or first action to take when working to create a better workplace? Hmm. That's a good question. I think it starts with you understanding your values. Like, like, you know, I stated that that's a dynamic for myself. Um, and before you even walk into a workplace, Veronica, you need to understand, you know, what, what is the intention of the people here and what's my intention? Um, that's the first thing. Um, is there opportunity to create a better environment? Do people genuinely want um, those things. What is the core belief? Once you decide that and there's an environment to foster improvement, 
then making sure that you align yourself with the people who can support you. And then, you know, you and those people in partnership can um, design and implement initiatives to help create a better workplace. But you, you have to start with understanding the intention of the people around you and the organization and the values that they're willing to live out. I like that you said that because it makes me think about when I was younger, you know, when you go to job interviews and they ask you, like, do you have any questions for us? And I never, you know, in my youth thought that I could ask a question because I'm like, I just want to get this job. So I'm mm -hmm. not going to press any buttons or like push too far. I'm just going to be, you know, no questions. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. you're, now we should be asking these questions because maybe it mm -hmm. is not a good fit in the long run. Yeah, one of the things that I used to, I spent um, about three years uh, at Pepperdine University working with students, helping them understand how to get into corporations, Veronica. And um, one of the things I used to say is always ask, you know, what is expected of me um, over the next 18 months? Um, how will my success be measured? Okay. And how is my, those, how do those measurements align with the values and mission of the organization, right? So first of all, if, if the employer can't answer those questions, that's a red flag because they should know clearly what goals they're, you know, where they're reaching, you know, how the goals are set up, how, what success looks like for you, because that, that indicates that they have thought about your development, right? And how you'll be, you know, how you'll receive value in this organization, right? If they can't answer those questions, there's no long-term strategy. And that could be, okay, you could be like, okay, this is a, this is, you know, chaos sometimes is an opportunity, right? Because you could feel like, you know, okay, I'm going in here to help them get some structure, but you need to know what you're dealing, what you're dealing with, right? Um, so that you won't be surprised. Okay. So those are the questions I used to give young people to empower them to dig a little bit. And also when you're on the other side, meaning you're being interviewed, the person on the other side, they hear the questions you're asking and they think, wow, Veronica is really thoughtful about sort of really understanding what's expected of her and how her values align with this organization. And that's important for me because I want somebody to work for me that understands and sets expectations for themselves, right? As well as the expectations I set for them. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So what do you think makes a good leader? You know, a good leader is one that understands that in order for them to be the best leader, they have to facilitate and foster an environment for people to be their best selves. They have to be their best selves. And all you're doing as a leader is bringing out the best in people, right? So I'm, I'm constantly edifying Veronica. I'm constantly letting you know that I believe in your success. And I don't have to worry about um, edify myself because when I help people become them, their best selves, they're going to edify me as a leader, right? That's going to help me to um, build trust, right? It's going to help me to be able to uh, just, you know, practically as a leader, you know, I have a staff. I want to be able to know that if I'm in, in an airplane flying somewhere and some stuff hits the fan, my team has my back because they are, they want me to be successful as a leader. And that is because I'm so invested in their success, right? So if you filter everything through the desire to see your team thrive, 
then that changes everything about how you set up your, your values, right? How you set up your mission statement, how you set up your structure, how you set up your feedback, right? How you set up the projects you take on as a company, right? Um, it's, it's really about how am I helping you be the best? I like that because, you know, it probably gets used a lot about being a team. You know, you're at work, like we're a team, but it's really about building a strong team and we, you help each other Mm -hmm. when you need it. And that, yeah, good call. So what major changes have you seen in this field so far? Leadership development, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Let's just say, I'd like to see some, some more changes. (laughs) I think we've been in the same realm for a long time. Like, okay, I'll I'll give you an example. With diversity, equity, and inclusion training, we've been sitting in awareness too long, okay? So for me, the change I want to make is for us to come out of awareness, right? Um, For leadership, um, there's a lot of uh, trend and development about, you know, um, self-leadership, you know, like you said, team support, Um, servant leadership. I think we've kind of been in those areas for a long time. So to answer your question, I don't see a lot of movement. Okay. Um, One of the reasons why I do what I do is because I desire to see more movement. I want to see us really talking about living out our values, like I stated in the beginning. Um, What are the things or the barriers that are keeping us from living out our values in this space, the stated values? When I look at your website and I see that those are the values you state, inclusion, trust, um, you know, transparency, customer focus. And I don't see your behaviors in alignment. I want to see training that addresses that. Like, what are the psychological barriers that are keeping you from living out what you say, who you say you are, right? Because I see those statements as your aspiration. I see those statements as where you actually would like to be, right? And so that's one of the things that I'd like to see Um, in terms of, um, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion training. Um, one of the um, the specific areas of development is intercultural um, competency, and so I'd like to see that that training, um, that understanding of the way your mind works, to be you know embedded in in the learning for leaders. Because when we gain greater levels of intercultural competency, then that means that we have greater skills to, to navigate the complexity of differences in all of us. And leaders need to know how to navigate the complexities of difference. So I, you know, in this area, I would like to see more movement. And now a word from our sponsor. Bank of America asked Central Coast businesses, what would you like the power to do? Listening to your answer is how we learn about what matters most and help you achieve your goals. That's why we've lent over a half billion dollars to Ventura, Santa Barbara, and San Luis Obispo County's small, mid-sized, and commercial businesses. Because we don't just work here, we live here. What excites you about this field? Um, The hope, the journey, um, the opportunity for change, uh, the amazing opportunity to help groom uh, leaders of the future. Um, I have a program I'm developing called Exit Planned. My team are, uh, and I are developing a program that um, you can find on our website, uh, brgtplaces.com and then slash Exit Planned. Um, what we're doing there is we're helping um, people who have a desire to uh, start their own businesses, executives that are in um, roles now that would like to start 
um, thinking about starting their own business, helping them to build the structure out, um, helping them to understand how to um, scale a business and then protect it long term. Um, and the, and we get a chance to help you in your leadership skills um, to, to actually, you know, what are the things that you don't want to see happening in your company, right, um, that are happening in the organization where you currently um, work, right? Um, how can we help you to take um, your leadership skills to the next level, to a more, more inclusive level, right? Um, so how can we help you to see, you know, um, the path to creating the workplace you've always wanted, you know? So that's exciting for me, right? Those, that's, that's an exciting next step. Um, and, you know, um, yeah, I just, uh, I, I think, like I said, there's always hope for better. And there's a lot of good in people. And I think that we can, with the tools and the resources and the actual maps, that we can use those skills to create better workplaces. How has what you've learned so far in your life shaped how you approach your business? Very much so. I'm very um, in tune to uh, making sure that as a, as a leader and as a business owner that I am uh, using emotional intelligence skills, um, uh, making sure that I'm setting up the um, financial structures for my business to help it grow and protect myself, my employees, and my family. Um, I've learned that, you know, um, if you stay the course, <laughs> um, you can make real change and that you don't have to compromise um, who you are in your business. You can do what you love and you can still make money doing it. Okay. Um, so I, you know, I think that those, those are the biggest lessons. What's something about running your own business that people might not be aware of? It can be lonely. It can be scary, right. To take the leap, especially if you were in a, you know, six figure corporate job with, um, I call it pseudo security, right. Cause you're not going to fire yourself, but a corporation can fire you. So that's why I call it pseudo security in your job. Um, I think that, you know, people underestimate the biggest underestimation that people make when they leave their organization or when they're building a business is the, um, the value of a good team. Um, especially, um, you know, women who start out with small businesses, Veronica, they kind of have a tendency to think we can do it all. Right. Um, but if you have this mentality that I am building a multi-million dollar business from the beginning, you know you can't build a multi-billion dollar business without a good team. So while your team might start out with a few contractors, you need to have a goal to start building out a badass team. And you need to be intentional about what you want that team to look like, you know, um, how you want to operate with that team, what's the culture you want, right? Um, the goals, what do you want to pay, be able to pay people, um, be intentional about what you want to change in their lives, okay? And so I think that's the, the, the biggest thing that you need to know, that you have to build a team in order to build a business. Has anything surprised you so far? Yeah, I think one of the things that we all know, right, um, whether you are, um, you know, whether you read the Bible or not, there's a scripture that goes something like, um, where your heart is, therefore, also is your treasure, right? And I think one of the biggest things that has surprised me is that 
um, as long as I stay the course, as long as I focus on my passions, the clients come, the connections come, more money comes, even when you're just like, okay, is my pipeline driving up? No, someone calls and says, do you want to bid on this bid contract with me? You know, it's just amazing. So that has surprised me because there's always this tinge of doubt, you know, that we have to admit there's always this, this tinge of self-doubt. Like, am I going to be able to um, sustain this? Um, That has surprised me. And I really, you know, and I'll tell you, people will tell you that they've been able to double and triple their salaries when they've gone into building their own business. But that's the truth. You can do that in two months. (laughs) If you work in your passion, because you're always bringing more value to an organization than they will ever pay you. Right. And what I, one of, one of the biggest things I want women to understand is nobody is going to pay you, especially over six figures inside of a corporation, unless you have some unique value, everybody has unique value. Right. And so you just need to identify that unique value and lean into it. And I tell you, you are going to be shocked, but you have to take the first step And you don't have to take it without education. That's why I'm developing this this new program. You can take it. You can connect with people like me, right? And I know we're going to talk about NABO and the importance of NABO. But you can can connect with people like me who can help you to save yourself from some of the battle scars that we've had, (laughs) that we faced, right? It's been done. And I have never made more money in my life. I've never had more time in my life. I've never had a better relationship in my life. This is fantastic. And I've been in business for five years. And I'm just like, now, now I will say this, I'm not going to dismiss the fact that there's a lot that I learned throughout my career. And so it was necessary for me to be in a corporate environment to learn those things. Right. But now I have all this talent to leverage and what better way to leverage it than, you know, owning my own business so I can own my own life. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, let's talk about NABO and your involvement. Okay. <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> we love NABO. Well, listen, the National Association for Women's Business Owners uh, has a long history of bringing women together to empower them economically. That's basically what the organization does. Um, the connection is invaluable, right? Um, the way that we create real diversity, equity, and inclusion is economic power. And NABO supports women in their pursuit of economic power. If you don't know anything else about NABO, just know that, right? Um, the, uh, the Ventura County chapter has been life-changing for me. Uh, the women that I work with are genuine and excellent in their support of each other. And we are one phone call away from whatever we need for our businesses, to be honest, whether you want your business to stay small or go big, if you become a member of the National Association for Women's Business Owners, you get all the support resources you need. And the only thing that will stop you from getting it is you. Okay, It's a fantastic organization. And, and the other thing about NABO that's um, fantastic to know is that NABO works in the legislative space right, to help change laws, okay? NABA was instrumental in changing the laws, the law in 1980 that helped women to be able to get business credit, right? Who else is going to speak up for women but women in that way? There are good men also that are part of NABO that support, right, and speak up for the rights of women as well. 
right? And there are men that even work with the organization to teach us some of the inner workings, uh, finances, right? Business structure. So we don't, we want to give props to the men as well. Okay. So if you're a man and you want to join NABO, please come on board. We call them our NABROs. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) we're not man bashing. We're supporting (laughs) women in economic power. Right. And so um, I think that, you know, as long as we stay the course, it's not always easy. Right. Um, We're a group of people who um, have flaws and sometimes need to work on some things. Um, And it's not always easy, but if we stay the course, then we can push through all of the things you're seeing in the news right now, things that you might not agree with. And the way to do that is economic power. Don't be distracted by the politics. Get your power. Mm -hmm. I love that. And we love NABO too. We've had a few guests on here from there and and we love it. And so one of the other things I want to say, um, Veronica, is that um, I'm taking the presidency for the National Association of women's business owners in Ventura County. Um, My presidency starts um, this month, July. My platform is um, stay the course so we can change the game. We just wanna stay the course and change the game. And so we'll be um, throwing a lot of events that have a lot to do with economic empowerment, um, how you structure and scale your business, um, how you support each other. So we're getting down to business. We we, we socialize too. We just gonna get together and have some wine and cheese and fun because it's therapy for women to get together and have girlfriend time. So we do some of that as well, but we do it under the umbrella of developing our businesses and helping each other to reach higher and higher for our daughters, for our sons, for the amazing men and women in our lives and for the future. Mm-hmm. So great. I'm That's exciting, July. So this episode will be out in July. So you will yep. be the president. So I <laughs> <Yes>. love that. <laughs> amazing, perfect timing. <laughs> what inspires you personally? The future. I have, um, I'm very futuristic. Um, I know that sometimes the the present makes the future look bleak, but um, I'm inspired by the future. Um, I believe that, you know, as I mentioned before, a lot of what we see can be a major distraction, a lot of what we see in the news and some very heartbreaking things. But I believe that women, women in economic power, we are going to be the ones to change things. And I am hopeful about the future. Um, and, and the great men that stand with women, you know, I want to make sure I mention that as well. But um, when you, you know, when you, when you help a woman, woman, you know what they say, you, you, you help the whole village. And so I'm hopeful. But we have to not be distracted and stay the course. Mm-hmm. If you could give one piece of advice to a young person starting their career, what would you say? Set your intention, set your intention. Um, You mentioned Veronica that, you know, you were during the interview, a lot of times you just think I need to get this job. But if you set your intention, right? First of all, the universe, right? If if um, If you're into the alchemy like me, which I love, right? The universe is gonna give you what you want, okay? You set your intention and those things will come, those opportunities will come to you, right? Um, when you set your intention, you will seek out the things that you need to prepare you for what you want, right? Um, you will associate with the people who have the things that you desire. You'll find the right mentors. Um, but you have to really sit down and think, what is my intention? You know, Oprah Winfrey said that her show stayed on the air for as long as it did and was as successful as it was because 
that was the intention. They said, this is gonna be the longest running, most successful talk show. And so when you set your attention, anything that's out of alignment with that, you check it. Now, that's not gonna get us to our goal, right? And so that's what I would say to young people. Don't be afraid, you know, set your intention and watch the universe work for you. Okay, so this is my last question. I like to end here. Sometimes I think we forget to give ourselves credit. So what's one thing you're proud of about yourself and it can be work or work-related or personal, but one thing you're proud of. Wow, that is a big thing for me because I do, I can brag about you. If you tell me everything about you, Veronica, I can tell you how to go into an interview. I can tell you all the stuff you should put on your impact profile, you know, that I call it, you know, um, but taking the time to appreciate myself, it's hard, right? Because you're constantly, especially someone like me, that's a coach. So um, I'm very proud of my daughters, Lauren, Leah, and Layla, the young ladies they are. They're all grown. None of them are married, have children yet, but I, I digress uh, one day. <laughs> I taught them to be these power women. So they're just like, marriage kids later on, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, I'm very proud of the special man I have in my life, right? That I've been able to attract. Again, the universe brings you what you uh, you want, like the most special person I could ever um, love uh, on the universe. Um, and I'm proud of my, um, the nerve, the audacity to start my own business, right? And then I even have the audacity to want to share how you, how, you, how you can do the same thing I did. I mean, I'm proud of my audacity, um, you know, I've, I've written a children's book. I haven't published it yet. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of all the things that I'm working on. And, um, yeah, you just reminded me to, to appreciate myself. So I appreciate the question. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. And so before we, fo we fully wrap up, um, I want to open the space. Is there anything we didn't touch on that you want to talk about? Yeah, I, I think that, um, I just want to, you know, emphasize that you can learn more about my organization at brgtplaces.com, short for brightplaces.com. We have a wonderful uh, team of writers who write some really good blogs there and can teach you about um, some of the initiatives and, and on our beliefs in leadership and inclusion. Uh, we have a leadership journal that's totally free for you to download. It's uh, uh, 52 weeks in the year, you get a, a leadership quote and some uh, leadership tracker and you get to write your goals and you can, you can download that. Um, and I think that, you know, I just want to emphasize that um, the mission of our work is to continue to uplift um, our communities and to build more inclusive environments in a better world. And yeah, you should join NABO, National Association for Women's Business Owners. Join. Um, we would love to have you both men and women join us. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Levita. That was amazing. This was Charting Her Course, a Pacific Coast Business Times podcast. The Pacific Coast Business Times is the weekly business journal for the Central Coast with digital and print editions, as well as can't miss events. For more on the Business Times and to subscribe, please visit our website at packbiztimes.com. A huge thank you again to our sponsor, Bank of America. Bank of America is committed to responsible growth for the clients and communities it serves by listening as they answer the question, what would you like the power to do? We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you stream podcasts. For more info on this podcast, please visit 
packbiztimes.com under Charting Her Course. We are also on Instagram at Charting Her Course. We'd love to hear suggestions on future guests as well. This podcast is developed and produced by Linda LeBrock and me, Veronica Kuzmuk. Associate producer, editor, and provider of emotional support, all done by Viana Mabonic. Our gorgeous artwork was done by Corey Iniguez of Dandelion Designs. Check out her website at dandeliondesigns.com. Our very cool theme music was created by Nicholas LeBrock. Thank you, Nicholas. Lastly, we're all out charting our own courses in business and in life. So while we're out there, let's wave and say hi to each other. We're in this together. <laughs>